Ephesians chapter 6 tonight, we're continuing on in this series that we've been doing on spiritual warfare in the armor of God. And tonight we are going to be looking at the shield of faith. So let's look at the passage first. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20 is what we've been focusing in on in our study. So let's read this. You can follow along there. It's also on the screen behind me here. Uh, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. We want to focus in this evening on verse 16. Uh, And as we get to verse 16, where it says, In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. We want to understand, again, the context of putting on the armor of God. And the necessity of putting on the armor of God is in an understanding that we are in a battle, a war, a spiritual battle in warfare as children of God. Paul reminds us of this, right? We don't want to forget right at the outset in verse 10 when he says, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. All that we're talking about, all that we're talking about when it comes to the battle that's before us, engaging in spiritual warfare, all that we're talking about by way of the armor of God and putting on the armor of God and standing firm in our relationship with Christ, all of that is in the context with an understanding that that is only possible through the strength and power that the Lord gives. Okay, and no matter how strong we think we are, no matter how much we think we can do on our own, probably all of us, if we're honest, maybe even in the past week, would have to look at something and say, yeah, I failed in that area. Because on our own, in our own strength, in our own abilities, we will fail. But that's why we have to be dependent upon the strength that the Lord gives, the power that the Lord gives and sustains us with. And so, again, that is the whole context of the armor of God. It's the strength and power that is in the Lord, not in ourselves. But with that in mind, Paul's now calling us. Like, he's demanding, he's saying, listen, put on, put on the whole armor of God. And so here's something that could be difficult because... We look at the armor and all of this is listed. And we've already looked at a number of these different pieces of the armor. It can be very easy to think, well, I'm just going to put that on. Or I'm just going to put on that piece or that piece. But as we've been going through this and hearing about the necessity of piece by piece and what the importance of those pieces of the armor are, don't lose sight of the fact that Paul's specific command was to put on the whole armor of God. It's all needed. 
It's all necessary. It all is vitally important as we seek to engage in this battle. Because again, he says, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. It's not just against other people that we see, but there's a battle going on in the unseen. There's a battle going on that we oftentimes uh, are just completely um, aloof to in our own minds because we don't want to think about it. We don't want to engage in it. And yet it's going on. And that's what Paul's warning us with here. So this evening, we're going to jump into verse 16 with, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. Did a little research on uh, Roman shields, which is uh, what they would have understood by way of a lot of this armor. And kind of interesting uh, thoughts about the Roman shield. The Roman shield was called a scutum, and it was a type of shield that sometimes uh, one uh, individual was commenting on it and said they could sometimes be as large as a door some of these shields. Um, but typically the shields would be large enough that they would cover the, the, the warrior, they would cover the one carrying it completely. It would completely cover their, their whole self for protection. Um, the shield was not just defensive, but it was also used for offensive reasons. Certainly for defensive reasons, but it could also be used for driving forward and pushing opponents as they would use that shield in battle. What's interesting to me also is when fighting as a group, and if you've ever watched any kind of war movies or battles where there's a Roman army fighting against another army or a barbarian army fighting against someone and they all lock shields. It's kind of a neat looking thing where uh, javelins are being thrown or arrows are being shot and everybody locks their shields and it's like impenetrable. They can't get through it. Well for the Roman army when they would fight as a group and they would position their shields together they would form what would be called a testudo. And that was translated means uh, tortoise. It's the same word that's used for tortoise. And you can think of a tortoise shell that would completely protect the body of that tortoise. So when they would be in groups, uh, I was reading about some historians that, are, that, that were writing about this. And they were saying that the Roman army, when they would connect their shields for protection above and in the side, uh, chariots could roll over those shields above them and it would not injure them as they held their shields together because every shield together had strength to protect them, even from chariots that would roll over top of them if they were all connected, which was pretty incredible. Um, and as they were advancing on you know, castles or advancing on something, even as they would lock shields, they would do it in tiers so that anything that was thrown, boulders, uh, fire boulders, whatever, it would just kind of roll off the shields and not hurt any of them. And so it's quite fascinating as you read about these, these shields and what would have been the understanding of how these shields protected but also were offensive in nature. Um, another interesting thing because of what the passage says when it says that it is used for extinguishing all the flaming darts of the evil one. Um, it's a known fact that the Romans would oftentimes cover their shields in hide and when the hide would be wet down, uh, flaming arrows that would be shot at them would be extinguished because they would hit that, that hide that was wet and it would extinguish the flames from, from the uh, arrows that would be shot. So again, when, when Paul's writing this, there's an understanding, the word here in the picture that he's writing, they, they would understand what he's talking about when he says, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Now, I, I want to just make a few points about the shield of faith from Ephesians 6.16 as well as from other portions of God's word. So first is this, the shield of faith is needed at all times. The shield of faith is needed at all 
times. This is uh, what Paul says in verse 16 when he says, in all circumstances. This is the first three words that he says in verse 16. As he's about to talk about the necessity of the shield of faith, he begins by saying, in all circumstances, at all times, in every situation, take up the shield of faith. It's an absolute essential, it is necessary and needed at all times. So that means when things are good, faith, the shield of faith, is absolutely necessary. When things are bad, it is necessary. When things feel secure, it is necessary. When things are in an uproar, it's absolutely necessary. When things uh, seem to be flowing well, and when things seem to be incomplete and utter chaos, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. It's, it's interesting to me because, yes, Paul's writing this contextually in regards to the battle that we face. But you remember, we've already established that this battle isn't something that's on today and off tomorrow. On today, off to, It is a constant battle. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more as well tonight. But, but in that context, the understanding that since we are constantly in war, at war, in a battle... There is never a time that the shield of faith is not needed. It's needed at all times. Let me give you just an illustration of this. I, I went to, my daughter had a couple of track meets recently. And so she had a track meet a couple, uh, what was it, last week. And uh, you know how I feel about weather, by the way, and weather people if you were here on Sunday. So I'm not going to rehash that I don't trust weather people with their predictions, but I don't. And she had a track meet last week and they were calling for rain. They were calling for rain. And so I went to the track meet. I never do this, but they were calling for quite a bit of rain, and I brought this umbrella with me, and I hate carrying an umbrella. I just don't like it, and so I was walking the track meet, and I'm like walking with this, this umbrella. I'm like, this stupid umbrella, but I know it's going to pour. They're saying it's going to pour, and so I'm going to be stuck out there. It didn't rain, okay? I'm at the track meet, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and I'm almost like calling for rain because I have an umbrella, and I'm like... People like, you know, that didn't bring an umbrella and it's like not even like that bad, like cloudy. They're probably thinking like, what's this guy got an umbrella for? And I'm like, well, the weather people, right, said it's supposed to rain. So I probably shouldn't have brought it anyhow because they said that. But it didn't rain. So she had a track meet yesterday and uh, it was pretty nice was there and they said it might rain at a particular time and I'm like not a chance. I'm not bringing the umbrella. I'm not bringing it with me. And so I didn't bring it. I left it in the car. And so I'm out on the bleachers, and we're sitting there, and I had a sweatshirt on, a hoodie on, and I'm sitting there, and clouds are coming in, and people are starting to, like, they have all their umbrellas with them naturally, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, no, it's not going to rain, and then it just starts raining, and raining, right? And the rain is coming down, right? It's coming down, and I have no umbrella because of my ego, my pride, my, my disdain for weather people, and so I'm sitting there, no umbrella, and I'm getting wet. I put up my hood. And my wife and our other kids were there, and they were going to be leaving because Ella was just about done. And so as they're leaving, I'm like cold, it's wet, it's raining, I have no umbrella. My wife's leaving, she says, hey, do you want me to give you this blanket to keep when you go? I'm like, I'm not keeping a blanket, I'm a man, like I don't need a blanket. And she left, and I just was cold and wet and raining. And I thought, as all this rain's falling on me, like this is how simple this is, if I had this umbrella... And this is, this is just like the word picture here that I want, or understanding I want us to see here. I got to undo it first. The rain's coming down. Rain's coming down. This is all I need. And if I have this, it's not hitting me. It's not hitting me. 
So simple. And, and the crazy thing is, I, I didn't take it with me, right? I didn't take it with me. I left it in the car. But, but here's what would make it even more ridiculous, is if I took it with me, and it was readily available to me, and it started raining, and I didn't get, want to get wet, and I didn't open it up. And I just left it there. Fully available. At my disposal. Would do what it's accomplished, or accomplish what it was meant to do, and I don't open it up. Like, that's, that's a problem, right? People are like, what are you thinking? And yet, Paul says that the shield of faith that's needed at all times is that which can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. It is readily available to us as a child of God. It will accomplish what it is intended to accomplish when it is utilized, when it is taken up, when it is that which is at the forefront of our heart and mind and utilized in this battle. And yet how often do we fail, do we fail to use it? We're, we're guilty. We're guilty. And I think a lot of times it's because our perspective and attitude is it's not going to rain today when it comes to the spiritual battle that we're in. Guys, we have to get out of the mentality that today might not be a day of spiritual battle. It will be. The forecast is there will be a spiritual battle for you tomorrow. That's in the forecast every day. There will be a spiritual warfare going on tomorrow for every child of God. It's going to happen. Tomorrow will be another day of spiritual warfare and battle. You might not see it. You might not want to think about it, but it's going. It's raging. It's happening. And so we need to get our minds right about what to expect day in and day out when we take this understanding of who our enemy is and what he's wanting to accomplish. And so the shield of faith is needed at all times. There's never a time it's not needed. Faith should be constant in our lives. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. There's never a time it's not needed. Secondly, the battle and the attack of the enemy is constant. So Paul says here to take up the shield of faith, he says in all circumstances. Why? Because with it, you can extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one. So here's the understanding that Paul leaves here. If the shield of faith is needed in all circumstances, and the reason it's needed in all circumstances is for defense against the flaming darts or arrows of the evil one. What that tells me is the constant, the constant that exists here not only is the need for the shield of faith, but that means the attack and battle from the enemy is constant as well. Don't miss, again, earlier on in the passage when he says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. It's hard for us to process how it's possible to be in a constant state of war and battling day in and day out because we're so used to thinking of things in the physical terms, aren't we? So a lot of times when we think of spiritual battles, we think of individuals, flesh and blood. We think of people. So say, hey, what's a spiritual battle you're going through right now? And like, oh, man, my relationship with my son or my daughter or my mom or my dad or my cousin or my coworker or my boss or my pastor or whoever. I have this relationship issue and it's just destroying my walk with God. Or sometimes we think of it in terms of human or physical terms. Maybe you're here today and you're struggling with pornography. And you're like, man, my spiritual battle and the spiritual war I'm facing is, is pornography, is physically just sitting and watching and taking that in and, and going to that. And so you know what our thinking is in regards to those things? If it's money, if it's pornography, if it's, if it's adultery, if it's premarital sex, if it's greed, if it's pro whatever it is, 
We think so often of the spiritual battles in terms of physical terms that if we simply could remove the physical aspect of those things, we're okay. That's not the case, though, because our mind, our mind is that which God tells us we need to be renewing through the Word of God. Our heart is that which God tells us in His Word should be guarded, right? Guard your heart, the Word of God says. And so we have to come to this understanding that it's not simply the physical where the spiritual battle is taking place, but in the, in the spiritual sense, in the not seen sense, it's daily. It's everywhere we go. And so if you're battling an addiction to pornography, it's easy to think, hey, as long as I'm not like at home in front of a computer screen or as long as my phone's not on or as long as I'm not watching something on the television, it's not going to be a battle for me. But it is because if you go to the mall and you see a woman, do you have lustful thoughts? Do you need your TV or your phone? You don't even have to be seeing anything because those thoughts are in your head, right? You don't have to be at work to be consumed with making money. We don't have to be in the presence of someone in order for us to show hatred to our brother because we're harboring it in our hearts. And so I think we have to understand the constant attack of the enemy and he is relentless in that attack and that is why the shield of faith is needed at all times. There's never a time it's not. He says you're wrestling against the schemes of the devil earlier on in the passage. The, the word schemes holds with it this understanding in the Greek of to lie and to wait. Let's think about that for a second. You're wrestling against the schemes of the devil. That's to lie in wait. I mean, you probably all could have something that comes to your mind when you think of like lying and waiting. Have you ever seen any of those like National Geographic shows or hunting shows where like the, the cheetah is hunting its prey or the lion is hunting and they're kind of like in the, the high grass or whatever and they're waiting and they're waiting for the opportune time to like devour, right? Well, that's the exact picture Peter gives in First Peter 5 about our enemy going about seeking to devour us. The schemes of the devil, to lie in wait, it's trickery, craft, deceit. That's what that word means when he talks about the schemes of the devil. He says, with the shield of faith, you can extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one. These darts of the evil one, it's, it's the same word that's used for, uh, it's a word that can be used for missile and dart, javelin, arrow. The attacks of the enemy that are meant to pierce, that are meant to destroy, that are meant to kill. That's the desire. Like, our enemy's desire is not to wound, it's to destroy. Uh, I recently saw something the other day. There was a big controversy because the San Diego Padres were playing, playing the San Francisco Giants. The Giants were up, I think, nine to nothing in the sixth inning. And there's like unwritten rules in baseball that if you're out up by a bunch of runs, you should basically just quit trying. Like that's, that's like almost what the unwritten rule is. And, and so, which I don't agree with it, um, I think like score 30 more runs. If they're not going to play, like destroy them. Like that's my thinking with like sports. But in this game, the guy on the Giants, when they were up nine to nothing in the sixth inning, and by the way, these are like grown men being paid millions of dollars to play baseball and competing. This guy laid down a bunt and got a base hit, and the Padres' whole team was furious. The coach was furious and yelling, and they made comments about how ridiculous it was that you're up by nine runs and you're still hustling to try to get a, a base hit. Up by nine, I'm thinking, are you kidding me? Like, like I, that made me want them to score 30 more runs. I'm like, do it, do it more. And they interviewed the Giants coach, and, and the Giants coach said, listen, he said, if, if, we, if we don't want someone to get a bunt base hit, 
we move our infield up. He said, if we don't want someone to be able to swing on 3-0, and have a green light and swing uh, on 3-0 and when they're up by a bunch of runs, we won't throw him a strike. And he was making the point that, listen, like, we're, we're in this to win this. We're in this, you know, with no holds barred, no holding back to the giving all that we have to accomplish what we want. Which is, personally, like, I think that should be the case, okay, personally. But I think sometimes we think our enemy is caring or holds back. Or, wow, he got me good that time. He wants to devour you as a child of God. Jesus' statement to Peter, Satan desires to sift you as wheat. He wants to destroy you. There's no holding back on his part. There's no just seek to injure him. There's no just seek to kind of just, just, you know, a little bit that he'll remember that this happened. No, he wants to destroy. And he's unrelenting in doing that. And so when it says the flaming darts of the evil one, don't miss the flaming darts. And, and what would come to their mind was that which was meant not just to hurt, but to kill, to eliminate, to stop. So that they never had to deal with it again. In 1 Peter 5, 6 to 10, Peter said, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. So just as Paul makes mention of the fact in Ephesians chapter 6 that it is faith, the shield of faith, by which we can extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one, Peter, who also knew a lot about the attacks of the enemy on his life and the temptations and persecutions that came from following after Christ, says here that it's through faith, it's through faith that you are able to stand firm against the enemy as he seeks to devour you. There's a direct correlation there. Both Peter and Paul are saying, in essence, the same thing. Standing firm against the attacks of the devil, protection against the attacks of the devil are found in faith. And we see that all throughout God's word. We see that consistently throughout God's word. The calling to have faith in God, the calling in the midst of, of what could be considered to be the greatest of trials and tribulations and hardships and attacks of the enemy is to have faith in God to let our faith remaining unwavering. The battle and attack of the enemy is constant. There's never a time that you and I are not in battle. There's never a time to let up. There's never a time to back down. There's never a time to let our guard down. Listen, if we truly believe that that is the case with our enemy, then we will always be thinking about the fact that the enemy wants to destroy and we need to be standing firm with the shield of faith. It has to be on our minds on our minds every day, day in and day out, that we are representatives of Christ. We're not about our work, but his work. And so if we're constantly thinking about the work of God and what God has called us to do as his children, no matter where we are, it comes with that, that there's a spiritual battle. So I brought something. Um, years ago, when I was a youth pastor, we started Nerf Wars. And I had a Nerf gun. This isn't it. This looks like it, though. And this, this has uh, six shots. It's not massive, but when I would be in the church office, I would keep this with me in the office, something that looked just like this, because when we started Nerf Wars with the high school group, 
it was basically you like falls can count anywhere. Okay, there was nothing off limits except for the auditorium was off limits. Sunday mornings were off limits when people were because we didn't want anybody getting like shot in the eye, and and we weren't allowed to do it in the parking lot on Sundays because of all the cars. But during the week, everything was fair game. Youth group times. Uh, Jeff, you remember that when we did this? And so I had I had a Nerf gun in my office, like by my desk. That, like, if a kid came in to see me, like, I'm trusting no one because they want these points. So if a kid wants to come and see me, high school kid, he comes into the thing, first thing I'm doing, like, under my desk, I got this, and I'm like, hey, what's going on? Like, and I'm waiting because I'm fully expecting, right? I'm fully expecting, like, this guy's going to pull something out of me. So I was so paranoid about the kids wanting to catch me and do this. Um, I had a little uh, shot that had uh, two darts that I carried with me, that I could take with me wherever I went. And you could say, man, that's crazy. It's not, because this is what happened with this, this goober, this kid that was in the, in the high school. I was taking my daughter to a doctor's appointment. <laughs> and I was traveling down 619, coming from like Uniontown, Hartville area. And as I'm traveling, I notice a van pull in behind me on 619, and he's following me. And I look in my rearview mirror. Now, first of all, I've mentioned this before because my dad's a police officer. Like, I always, like, think the worst. Like, I'm always, like, looking, be like, what's that guy doing over there? He looks suspicious. Like, I'm always that way anyhow. This van comes around, and it's a van that looked like one of the kids in the youth group had, and I wasn't sure if it was his van. So he's, like, a little distance behind me, and I'm looking behind me, and I'm like, is that, is that Andrew? I'm thinking, that's got to be Andrew. That looks just like Andrew. And so I did, like, an extra turn and see, like, all right, is he going to follow me? And he turned, and then I did another turn, and he turned, and I'm like, that's Andrew. And Andrew's a pastor now. But Andrew was following me, and I got wind of him, and I'm like, I bet he's coming after me with the Nerf Wars. And I'm like, I'm taking my daughter to a doctor appointment. I had my wife with me. My wife, I believe my wife was pregnant at the time, and we had a, a young child. And we were going to the physicians, uh, Green Family Physicians, on 619 after you turn off of Pickle Road. So we pull into the, the area, and I parked the car, and I had my, like, two-shotter with me. And we pull into the area, we walk into the doctor's office, and as we're in the lobby, I'm like all excited because I'm like, oh, I'm going to get him. So sure enough, the van comes pulling in and parks. And this kid gets out of his van, and he's waiting on the side of the building for me. And I can see it through the window. So no lie, this is what I did. I went to the receptionist, the lady that was at the reception, and I said, hey, I said, this is going to sound really weird. I said, I'm doing Nerf Wars. I said, I'm a youth pastor. I said, there's a high school kid. He's waiting outside with a Nerf gun for me. Is there any chance I can, like, go around back and come out the back door and come around the thing? And she smiled her big. She's like, absolutely. And so I left my pregnant wife and my other daughter to handle business in the doctor's office because there's more important things at that point. And I, I went through the doctor's office, out the back door, and around the door. And I had my little two-shotter with me. And I'm there, and I'm waiting, and I see him, like, leaning over like this, looking. And I walk up behind him, and I go, Andrew! And I shot, and I missed. And, I, and Andrew's like this, and he comes around, and he's like, whoosh, like, you know, all these darts, he's firing. And he nailed me, he got me, and he was, like, loving it and everything else. But the point of the matter was, my, I never go to the doctor's office with a Nerf gun. I never do. I never am sitting at my desk. If you walk in like, and you're like, hey, Bruce, I'm never going to be like, what are you doing? Like, I don't have that because I'm not playing Nerf Wars, okay? When that was on, even when I went to the doctor's office with my daughter, I had my like, miniature Nerf gun with me just in case. And sure enough, 
He was there. He was there. Now, here's why I share that, guys. It took me to have this mentality of there's a Nerf war going on. In times of Nerf peace, I didn't have my Nerf gun. Didn't need it. Nothing was going to happen. But when I know that it's on, I didn't go anywhere without my Nerf gun because I was fully expecting someone was going to engage with me. Okay? Our mentality about spiritual warfare has to be that. Our mentality about spiritual warfare has to be not, well, when the war starts, I'll make sure I'm ready. It's already here. And it's going to be there tomorrow. And it's going to be there the next day and the day after that. Our mentality has to be day in and day out. I need the full armor of God to withstand. I need to put on the full armor of God today and tomorrow and the next day because I am constantly in a war with an enemy who doesn't just want to wound. He wants to kill. He wants to destroy. If the attack is relentless, if the flaming darts of the evil one are relentless, then the shield of faith is constantly needed Never leave home without it. That's the way we can put it. It's needed all the time. Number three, real quick here. The shield of faith is our primary defense. It's our primary defense. He says, with it, you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. When you think about faith, and we're going to talk about that in just a moment, but uh, he's putting that, uh, the shield of faith as an absolute necessity, but he's also putting it as the primary mechanism or primary defense against the offense of the enemy. With it, we can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. In other words, when we are daily utilizing the shield of faith and we truly are trusting and believing and having faith in our God and we're exercising that faith in when we live, he says you can extinguish how many of the darts? All. Like, think about that for a minute. I mean, we have an attitude, and I understand the attitude because we're all guilty, right, of like, oh, we're all going to sin every day. It's going to happen. But according to what God offers to us in Christ, we don't have to sin. We choose to, but we don't have to. And he says the shield of faith is fully capable of extinguishing all, all the darts of the evil one. I love 1 Samuel 17. Most of you know that story about David and Goliath. And a lot of people read that story and they spiritualize that text and saying, you're David and you know, your job's Goliath. And that's not, that's not what the text is about. It's about, you know, David in faith uh, taking down this giant Philistine in the name of the God of Israel and showing the greatness of God, right, in the face of this battle. But in 1 Samuel chapter 17, 32 to 37, listen to this. It says, David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of Goliath, this Philistine, this giant. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. David's a boy, not very big. He has no armor. He has no weapons other than a sling and stones. And, and here's a champion that has killed whoever knows how many warriors in the nation of Israel. Even King Saul, who was ahead above everybody, was not having anything to do with this guy. And David comes in and he's like, don't worry. Let not your heart fail because of him. I'll go and fight him. Saul said to David, you're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him for you're but a youth. And he's been a man of war from his youth. David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered him out of his mouth. If he rose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. 
David says, listen, I'm not worried about this guy. I've killed a lion and I've killed a bear. Struck him down. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defiled the armies of the living God. And then David says this. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. David's confidence, his faith in belief in his God was what allowed him to have the courage, the boldness to say the things that he just said. And I know it's easy to like say stuff like, you ever watch you know, people on the sidelines at an NBA game or an NFL game where they're like yelling at the players that are massive and they're in the stands and they're like, you stink, and they're yelling all these things and, and like the players turn to look at them and when they turn to look at them, they're kind of like, oh, all right, man, I'm sorry, like because they're now like right in the presence of the person. This is what David does in the, in the presence of Goliath, this giant. The Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. I wonder how we might respond in that moment. Come to me and I'm going to give your flesh to the beasts of the field and the birds of the air. I'm going to destroy you. Here's how David responded. You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin. Sound familiar? You come to me with all these weapons, right, that are meant to, to kill, that are meant to eliminate me. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. You imagine if when we're in this spiritual battle, engaged in spiritual warfare, instead of thinking, oh no, the enemy's attacking and Satan wants to just ruin my relationships and the devil's really got a hold on me and there's, such, there's so much spiritual warfare if we said, no, you know what, I'm coming at this in the name of my Savior Jesus Christ who loved me and gave himself for me and who has empowered me, who has empowered me and emboldened me and strengthened me for this battle. He says, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. And I will strike you down and cut off your head. And I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know there is a God in Israel. And all this assembly may know the Lord saves not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand. Now, the nation of Israel was already afraid of Goliath. Can you imagine what some of these guys are thinking as David's like, and we're going to cut your head off, and then we're going to feed all the carcasses of the Philistines to the beast. I mean, if you're one of the nation of Israel that's already doubting, I don't know if you can be like, this kid's crazy. Like, I don't know what you'd be thinking. But David, with full confidence, says, everyone will know this day that this battle is not won with sword and spear, but it's won because it is the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into my hand. The shield of faith is what we use in battle. Our belief and trust in the Lord is what we use in battle. The shield of faith in all circumstances protects us from the attacks of the enemy. I, I want to just give you a, a picture of this real quick uh, that I think is helpful uh, just to kind of show, you know, kind of what, what I'm talking about here. And so just need a volunteer. Anybody come on up here. Alan, come on up here. Come on. Come on. So when I was trying to open this, I broke it. <laughs> See what God was teaching me was not the... Oh, no, it's not broke. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to just stand there for a second. This is not going to hurt. Okay? It's not going to hurt. I'm just going to, I'm just going to, let me move back a little bit just in case it does hurt. So that, that's, that's what happens. Okay? With, with a dart, 
being shot at you when you have nothing protecting you. So as a believer in Christ, I want you to remember this picture. I want you to remember standing there fully vulnerable. Now this is a Nerf gun, so this isn't doing anything. It's something far different when the Bible describes the spiritual attack of the enemy as him throwing flaming arrows at you. That's meant to wound deeply and destroy and kill. But I want you to remember this picture because without the shield of faith, every time it's going to hit you. But I want you to remember this, taking up the shield of faith. Just go ahead and put that in front of you. Same weapon. Same darts, same target, shield of faith, doesn't hit him, completely falls off. I want us to process that for a minute. No shield, direct hit. Shield, no hit. Look at what Paul says in the passage again. Thank you. Look at what he says in the passage again, verse 16. In all circumstances... Take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. No shield, no protection. With the shield, no direct hit. Does that make sense? That's what God has called us to do in this battle. And guys, the crazy thing is, is it's, it's available to us. But do we daily take up the shield of faith to extinguish the fiery darts of the evil one? Brings me to the fourth point real quick before I have you guys in your groups. The shield of faith extinguishes or puts out that attack. It extinguishes or puts out that attack. Um, whenever you feel like you're under spiritual attack or in a spiritual battle or temptation to sin, etc., um, do you ever feel like it could be consuming and it just continues and continues and lingers and lingers and it's that which eventually starts affecting your, your mind and your words and your actions and your thoughts and it just doesn't seem to leave? It won't leave? But the Bible says when we take up the shield of faith, it extinguishes the attacks. It extinguishes the attacks of the evil one. It puts it out. I think of Matthew chapter 14 when Jesus was walking on the water to go to his disciples. If you remember that story in the, Old, in the New Testament, Matthew 14, Jesus is walking to meet his disciples and Jesus is walking on the water to meet them. And as the disciples saw him on the lake, it says in verse 26 of Matthew 14, they were terrified. They said, it's a ghost. They cried out in fear. But Jesus said to them, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter said, Lord, if it's you, let me come out to you on the water. He says, tell me to come out to you on the water if it's you. And Jesus said, come. And Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. Peter walked on the water. I mean, that's, that's, <laughs> that's more incredible probably than anything we've ever done, right? He, he literally gets out and walks on water to go to Jesus. He says, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him and said, you of little faith. Why did you doubt? When Peter was demonstrating great faith with his eyes fixed on Christ, he was able to walk on water. But when his faith wavered, when his focus wavered, 
he began to sink. And Jesus challenged Peter in saying, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Jesus' statement makes it very clear. Peter's sinking was in direct correlation to his lack of faith. He doubted. And when we doubt, and when our faith is doubting, and when our faith is not secure, and when we don't have the shield of faith, we will see ourselves falling at the hands of the enemy in so many different ways. So what exactly is the shield of faith referencing? The writer of Hebrews says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It's the conviction of things not seen. It's a succinct definition. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. It's assurance about what we're hoping for. It's conviction of what's not seen. It is belief. It is belief that is followed by action because we know what we believe is true. It's faith. When asked to define faith, probably one of the most famous evangelists whose name you might know, Billy Graham, said the following. He said, faith simply means believing that something is true, then committing our lives to it. In the Bible, faith means believing in God and in what Christ has done for us to make our salvation possible, then committing ourselves to him. In other words, faith has two parts to it. Both are equally important. The first part is belief, belief that God exists and that he loves us and sent his son into the world to save us. Faith isn't a vague hope that God might exist. It is a definite belief that what the Bible says about him is true. The Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. That's Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and he rewards those who seek him. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. The second part of faith is commitment, a definite decision. Not only to believe in our minds that Christ can save us, but to put our lives into his hands and trust him alone for salvation. True faith not only believes Christ can save us, but actually trusts him to do it, and that he's done that. The Bible says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And here's what Billy Graham is referencing as he gives this understanding and definition of what faith is, is, is faith is believing in God, that he exists, and that we believe in him and trust in him, but then also following that with the belief in action that shows we fully believe in and trust our very lives to the one that we believe in. Not only do we believe that God has, has done what he's done, but we are fully trusting in that, and that causes me to live differently because of that. So do you understand how that works with the shield of faith extinguishing the flaming darts of the evil one and how faith is that which helps us to please God? Because when doubts come, we have the reassurance because of our faith that what God says is true. And what does God say? God says there's no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man and God is faithful and will provide a way of escape. What does God say? God says that my grace is sufficient for you. In the times of doubt and fear and when we don't know what to do, what does God say? Ask for wisdom and he'll give it to us. In times of anxiousness and worry and sometimes times when we're like, man, I'm overwhelmed. What does he say? Be anxious for nothing but in all things through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God and he'll give you his peace. In the times that we would feel alone or feel like we can't handle it or feel like there's too much, what does he say? I will never leave you nor forsake you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. If God is for us, who can be against us? Do you see how if we have true faith, belief, and that affects our actions, how the attacks of the enemy can be extinguished and defended against as we act on that faith. All right, guys, I'm going to get to a question that was at your tables as the last thing in just a moment. Let me just uh, 
you know, kind of as a summary, remind us of these three things. One, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Okay? We've talked about the shield of faith. We've talked about the enemy. We've talked about the battle we're in. We've talked about the war that we're daily engaging in. We have to understand and remember the word of God makes it very clear in Hebrews chapter 11, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Number two, without faith, it's impossible to withstand the attacks of the enemy. Okay, we have to understand that. We have to uh, understand and know that without faith, it's impossible to withstand the attacks of the enemy. Without faith, we ultimately perish. Um, that's without faith in Christ, spiritually, uh, we, will, we will perish. We will be forever perished, uh, you know, facing the wrath of God for all of eternity. But as a believer in Christ, um, in the battle that we face, in, in the, the sin that so often we engage in, um, you know, the ultimate end of our sin, even physically, uh, the Word of God speaks about because of sin, many are asleep. Some are asleep because of sin. The ultimate end of our sin in disobedience and rebellion to God is God correcting us. And we refuse the correcting hand of God, the ultimate end to that would be God removing us from this world. Now, that's not why all death happens, because God's disciplining. But that can happen, and Paul talked about that. But I think the bigger issue is, remember, without faith, you will perish spiritually forever, for all of eternity, eternal punishment, because of a lack of faith in God, not believing in the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, which is what God enables us to do. But uh, let me just get to a question real quick. How might you be better prepared to take up the shield of faith? Uh, we talked about this at our table for just a, a couple minutes. How might you be better prepared to take up the shield of faith? And uh, I just want to give some suggestions to you guys as it relates to that question. How might you better be prepared? Um, our, our first, you know, response when we find ourselves facing trials of various kinds, when we find ourselves facing the attack of the enemy, when we find ourselves in situations where our faith is, is doubting or struggling, our first response should be one of prayer, prayer and going to the Lord, right? But how much easier is it to do that when we're already doing that in our daily lives? Okay, so oftentimes it's said, and you've heard, I, I've preached on this before recently where I said faith is not a last resort, but it's a first option or first priority, but can I encourage you, the way that you might be better prepared to take up the shield of faith is already make prayer a part of your daily life that consumes you. Because if you and I are, are men of prayer, and we are consistently, constantly men of prayer, then prayer will automatically be a first resort and option for us when we're facing trials of various kinds. It's not something that we're going to be like, well, this is awkward because it's been so long. No, it's something that already consumes us. It should consume us, and so pray consistently. The same would be true about reading God's Word. Um, God's Word has answers for us, right? God's Word transforms our minds and our hearts. And so, so often people, the last thing they do is they go to God's Word for instruction or wisdom. But if we're already daily, consistently going to God's Word to fill our hearts and minds, it would be very natural that in the face of the hardships that we face, persecutions that will come, attacks of the enemy to already be diving into the word of God. We're already there. And that's another way that we can help to prepare ourselves to take up the shield of faith and be living in that. And then one other way, be reminded consistently, constantly of the goodness and faithfulness of God in the past and how God is faithful and good in the present as well. If we talked regularly in our families, in our 
in our relationships with people we care about amongst one another about how we have seen the goodness and faithfulness of God work in our lives. Recount those stories, the miraculous stories, the stories where the only response could be, look what God did. Those stories where we're in amazement that God was able to do what we didn't even necessarily think he could do, but he did it. Can you imagine the faith that that builds if we are consistently talking of the things of God, of the goodness and faithfulness and grace of God consistently day in and day out in our lives? That cultivates faith. And that's why the writer of Hebrews said, hey, listen, seeing we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us run with endurance the race that is marked before us. He recounted all of these men and women of faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. It's, it's necessary, it's essential. So be already praying. Be already in God's word. Be already recounting and celebrating the amazing things that God has done because it will be that much easier for us to do those things when the trials and temptations, difficulties and attacks of the enemy come. In all circumstances, at all times, take up the shield of faith. Have faith, cultivate that faith, Share that faith as we daily are engaged in this battle. And then watch what God does. He'll do what only he can do. And then he'll receive glory in that. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We're thankful for uh, just great instruction, Lord, that you've given us in your word about the battle that we're in, but also how we can face an enemy that wants to destroy us. And I just want to remind us again, Lord, I'm, I'm I'm just reminded that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Um, there's nothing the enemy can do to us apart from your hand allowing it. Um, we see that in the life of Job. Uh, Lord, you're fully in control. And as the God that can fully be trusted, it's a great thing to know you're fully in control. And so I pray that that would be a faith builder and strengthener for us tonight. God, I pray that as men, we would faithfully be taking up the shield of faith. That our belief and trust in Jesus Christ and your word and what you've promised would be seen in our actions, God. And that by faith, we would be able to extinguish the fiery darts of the evil one, which are coming and are constantly being hurled. But I pray that we would be found faithful. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your love for us. Help us to demonstrate that faith in action this week for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.